Well, good morning. I have been referred to as many things over the years, but never as a statesman. Wow. And it took 68 years for that to happen. There they are. Fantastic. It's good to be with you. It's uh, good to be a part of this church. One of the things that um, attracted me to, me to the church uh, wasn't just your amazing leadership and Carl and Andy and, and Dan, but was the, the emphasis upon the scriptures. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but somehow I, I feel it is true of you as well. I love God's word, don't you? It's quick, it's powerful. It's uh, a, a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And we just uh, love God's word. I want to take this opportunity once again to, to thank the church for uh, all the love and support that you've shown me. The, the last number of years have been uh, difficult, but we lean on God, don't we? And we believe, although sometimes we find it difficult to believe this, that everything is working for our good. Behind the scene, there's a loving God who's working on, uh, on our behalf. Amen. I want to um, read to you from Matthew 18. We've been doing this study from Matthew's Gospel. And um, I, I want to, you to turn, if you have your Bible with you, to Matthew 18. One of the last things that Paul said to a young leader by the name of Timothy was, uh, Timothy give yourself to the public reading of the scriptures. And that's what we're going to do. We've done it already, but we're going to do it again. And if from the time I start preaching, if I go beyond half an hour, look at your watch, wave at me, say, it's time to finish. I'll, I'll, I'll get the hint, okay? All right. Matthew 18. Just continuing uh, the story of um, Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Pretty generous. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to sell accounts with his servants as he began the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That was pretty good, wasn't it? But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe hate me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused and said he went out. He went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over 
to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Pretty powerful. In the days of the American Wild West, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I love westerns. I love the old John Wayne movies. Uh, that's just by the way. But a man uh, applied for a job as a bartender in a cattle town in Midwest. He got the job. He arrived at the saloon. And the owner of the saloon took him around, showed him the uh, various places that he had to be familiar with. And before he left him, he said this. Now, Lewis, you must remember this. If when you are here, you ever hear that Big John is coming to town, you must vacate the saloon as fast as you possibly can. Okay, I'll remember that. A few weeks passed. The saloon was very busy, a typical American Wild West saloon, when all of a sudden a man ran into the saloon and said, Big John is coming to town. And guess what happened? There was a stampede. Everybody in panic just got out of the saloon as fast as they possibly could. And in the process of doing that, the bartender, he was, he was mulled down. He was walked upon. And eventually he managed to get himself up. And he was just about to go out the saloon doors when all of a sudden a man, six and a half feet tall, rode through the saloon door, a rough, scruffy, a scruffy beard. Uh, he had a wild mustang. He used a, a rattlesnake as a, as, a, as a whip and he went right into the saloon. The guy was petrified, terrified. He comes to the bar. He says, give me a gallon of beer and he guzzles it down. Give me two bottles of whiskey and he guzzles it down. And he was just about to go up when the bartender said nervously, well, well, would, would you like another drink? He says, no, I can't stay. Haven't you heard? Big John is coming to town. Uh. <laughs> I do believe, and I wouldn't say that I was a, a, a prophet, although I do believe that every Christian should have a prophetic edge in their lives when we are speaking the word of God into people's lives. But I think I could safely prophesy that for all of us, at some time, Big John's going to come to town. You know what I mean, don't you? Big John's going to come to town. He can come in many different forms. He can come in the form of uh, physical illness or family issues or financial loss. But sometimes Big John comes to town in the form of personal offense. Notice that in this story that I've read to you, that Peter says, if my brother sins against me, but he says, no, when? It's inevitable. Friends, I'll have to say that it is inevitable that somebody at some time is going to hurt you. Can you identify with that? Is <laughs> going to sin against you. And, and people sin against us and, and they offend us by what they said about us or what they took from us. Or, or what they did to us. But it is inevitable that it's going to happen. And when it does happen, we have two options. Either we can give forgiveness or we withhold forgiveness. And when we give forgiveness, 
It, it has to be immediate. It has to be unconditional. It has to be genuine. Now, a lot of things have been said and written about forgiveness as to what exactly it is. Uh, to, to, to forgive somebody doesn't mean that a wrong should not be put right if it can be. For instance, say Dan, I, I loan Dan a thousand pounds and Dan turns around one day and he says, Jim, I'm not going to pay you that back. Well, I would be a, a bit upset about that, wouldn't I? I? I could forgive him for it, but if I can get my thousand pounds back, I'll still do that as well. <laughs> You understand what I mean? It doesn't mean that a wrong should not be put right. It does not mean that I forget. I think the last time I ministered, funny enough, I was, I was preaching about Joseph, and it was on the theme of forgiveness. And I made reference that it was uh, appropriate that I could speak on forgiveness when we're having communion, and it's the same thing again this morning. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget. I, I cannot forget the fact that when I was a youngster, we were deserted by my father. I can't forgive, uh, forget that. But I'm not going to let it ruin my life. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the person who hurts you, they become your best friends. It doesn't mean that either. But what it does mean is this. I refuse to let resentment smolder. I refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit. Incidentally, I believe that one of the greatest ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit is by bitterness. It means I refuse to, to, to hold on to resentment. It means that I lay to rest the offense. Now, in the Old Testament, the classic example of forgiveness has got to be Joseph. Coming to the New Testament, Jesus exemplified forgiveness, didn't he? In, in his teaching and, and, and in his life. Because on the cross, he said what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that was when they had crucified him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so he exemplified it in his life, and he taught it in his teachings, no more so than in this passage of Scripture that I've read to you this morning, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Now, just a few things, just a few thoughts. And once again, appropriate that we're having communion this morning, I believe. First thing I want to say is this, that forgiveness is a continual attitude. I'll, I'll labor that. Forgiveness is a continual attitude. Many years ago, um, maybe this is one of the reasons why I, I like movies so much, I used to be a cinema projectionist. You know, the old guys up in the box, they show the movies. I used to do that. I really enjoy that job. In fact, there's so many t movies that come on television. I remember I showed that in the cinema. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. But, but the younger generation might not identify with this, uh, although some of you might. But there was a recent program on television, and it was called The Feud. Anybody see that? You can just nod your head. But it, it was about the legendary fallout that existed between two legendary stars. One was called Betty Davis, and the other was Joan Crawford. 
and they just did not like one another. And, and throughout uh, their, their lives, for something like 50 years, they had bitterness and unforgiveness towards one another. Uh, and in actual fact, film producers, knowing about this, decided we're going to get these two actresses together so that they can do a movie about two sisters who hate one another. Boy, it was genius stroke that was. The, the movie was called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane about two sisters who did not like one another. And here they had two actresses that just detested one another. And for 50 years, there was forgiveness and bitterness. Doesn't that sad? Go through your life like that. Bitterness over, oh, the different roles different people got and the men that they had in their lives, etc., etc. But it stands in sharp contrast to what Jesus is talking about here, isn't it? Peter asked the question, how many times shall I forgive my brother? And, and he probably thought he was being pretty generous here. Um, he says, up to seven times. Wow, that's pretty generous. And, and he asked the question, and before he gets the answer, uh, he answered it himself. He says, not just seven to, uh, three times, but, but seven times. So double it, add one. And he thought he was being pretty generous. And Jesus says, well, how about 77 times? And some versions even put 70 times seven. 490 times. So, Dodge, you have to forgive me 490 times. You've got to keep a record of that, all right? You've got to write it down. Jim McGlade sinned against me. That's once. That's twice. No. Jesus didn't mean that, did he? What he meant very simply was it's got to be a continual attitude. Forgiveness is a continual attitude. It doesn't mean that we keep records of the people who's upset us. <laughs> Has anybody ever been tempted to do that? <laughs> I'm saying that a bit in talk. I wonder if I've ever been tempted to do that. No? no, it doesn't mean that. It just means that in our attitudes and in our relationships with one another, that it goes on and on and on and on. A prime minister once said that, didn't he? Never mind. It was Martin Luther King, the man who had a dream, who said forgiveness is ju not just an occasional act, but it is a continual attitude. So that's something simple for you to remember, isn't it? Forgiveness? Forgiveness is a continual attitude. Seventy-seven times. Se Seventy times seven. Ongoing. It doesn't mean that you keep a record, because I'll tell you, 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. If you don't get anything else from the sermon, remember that verse of Scripture, will you? 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Secondly, not only is forgiveness a continual attitude, 
But forgiveness should cause us and make us to be forgiving. Jesus tells this story about the, um, the servant and the king. The king um, gets the servant in and, and he says, you know, you, the king representing God, of course, and the servant representing us. And, and, but the king, he gets this man and he says, now, now you, you owe me a debt. And you've got you've to pay up. And the, and the guy says, well, you know, I, I, can't, I can't pay this debt. And, and so, the, so the king says, well, I'm going to sell off your, your family, your, your children. I, I, and I suppose at that particular time, in that setting, those kind of things were permissible. Uh, uh, I'm going to sell off everything that you have. You're going to be flung into prison. Uh, I'm going to take your family. And, but the guy, he, he got on his knees. Will you please, will you please forgive me? I, 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 look, I just can't pay this debt. Uh, I'm not going to propose to you, by the way, Carl. <laughs> but uh, I just can't. I just can't pay this debt. And and the king, he says, in in compassion and mercy, he says, "Well, okay then. I forgive you." Oh, but that should have brought a smile to his face, shouldn't it? And off he goes, dancing, unforgiven. And he goes and he gets this other guy who owes him a hundred denarii, gets him by the throat. And we used to sing a song. Maybe we still sing it here on some Sunday I'm not here. But it goes something like this. I owed a debt I could not pay. And he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed God a debt. I was just struck by... Christians Against Poverty, weighed down by debt. In some respects, all of us, uh, by nature, are weighed down by our, the spiritual debt that we owe God. We, we owe God a debt of love and service and compassion. We, 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 are, in, we are in debt to God. I, I owed a debt I could not pay, but Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. Isn't that wonderful? It's what we call the divine exchange. That Jesus took on what I was, and now I take on what Jesus was. He paid the debt that I could not pay. Praise his name. I don't know if you've ever heard an American author by the name of James Dobson. Uh, he used to have... Uh, quite a good ministry as regards um, family, family ministry, uh, uh, Christian psychiatrist, psychology, whatever. But in one of his books, he, he tells the story about being in Southern California. And he was going past this convent. And outside this convent, there was a sign which, which read very simply, no trespassing. Now listen to this, no trespassing, outside a convent, no trespassing, violators will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, signed the Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> Sounds like a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? This morning, 
we, we look back to the cross. We, we are reminded of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. On that cross, I, I see another sign. And that sign, violators will be forgiven to the full extent of my love signed the God of mercy. Isn't that wonderful? I owed a debt I could not pay, but he paid a debt he did not owe. And now the king, because of that, can look upon me, and if I ask him, the king says, I forgive you. I release you from your debt. The debt that you owe, I release you. I forgive you. Now, here is the punchline. If that is what God has done for us, then surely we should forgive one another? That's pretty logical, isn't it? Isn't that what we have in this parable here? This guy, this other guy, he goes out and he finds this guy who owes him 100 denarii. Uh, I just love to get hold of somebody by the throat to, so I can illustrate this, but only because you're... <laughs> you, owe, you, you owe me this money. And people got to hear about it, and it says, hey, this guy that you let off, you know, he comes across this guy, he owes 100 denarii, and he, he grabs him by the throat, he throws him into jail. The king was a bit annoyed about that. After what I've done for you. If God has forgiven us, then we should forgive one another. God has forgiven us 10,000 talents. Surely we can forgive somebody that's only 100 denarii. I'm not going to go into what that is in today's money, but believe me, friends, it's a lot of money. C.S. Lewis, you've, you've all heard of C.S. Lewis. Um, people say he was a, he was a genius. Um, C.S. Lewis, he said some incredible things about um, forgiveness. He said, everybody thinks that forgiveness is a wonderful idea until they have someone to forgive. And then he he said this, which is in keeping with what I'm talking about this morning. A Christian is somebody who forgives the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. God has forgiven. Look, friends. In comparison to what people have done to us, it's nothing in comparison. And please, I would never trivialize the hurt that maybe you've gone through because of what somebody said, said or did. I would never trivialize that or belittle that or, or say it's, it's, it's insignificant or, or just take a callous view, we'll just get over it. I would, I would never do that because I know that some uh, hurts, they run deep. I appreciate that. But what I'm trying to say, that in comparison to the, the sin and the offense that we have brought to God, it's nothing. That's going quickly. Hey, we're getting there. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to be with him in 30 minutes. Good. 
forgiveness is a continual attitude. Secondly, forgiveness should cause us to be forgiving. Now, this is the last point. This is crucially important. Forgiveness can set you free. Uh, I, I got in contact with Dan during the week, and I said, if you, if you can't do this, don't, don't worry about it. But if you can, uh, that would be great. Do we have that picture on the screen, please? Of uh, Wow, Chad, get out of jail, free. This card can be kept until needed or sold. Anybody ever play Monopoly? I have to, you know what? It brings the worst out of me. <laughs> it's terrible. It's ter when I, when I, when I, I haven't played it for a long time, but when I do play it, oh, goodness me. When I see guys getting into it, I say, oh, come on, that, let's finish him off here, you know, and, and you, know, you try to buy him out and, and, and so on. But in the process, in the process of uh, the, the game of Mon Monopoly, uh, occasionally you come across this card which is get out of jail free chance this card can be kept until needed or sold and you know what when I used to play that game it used to come in very handy at times get out of jail what, what am I trying to say what I'm trying to say is this that forgiveness is a get out of jail card I, I suppose we can, uh, we can stretch this a bit too far, I, I suppose, in, in, what, in what Jesus is saying here. But he says, then, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He, I, I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And the punchline is really here. This is how my heavenly father, and remember Jesus is talking to Christians here. He's talking to believers. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I just do not believe that God will allow his children to live lives of bitterness and then we think we're going to get away with it. I'll tell you what I believe it does. I'll tell you what I believe bitterness does. I believe it puts us in a prison. And Jesus, once again, don't stretch it too far. He talks about the torturers here. Could, could I say there's, there's nothing more torturing than the inner torment of an unforgiving spirit? And there's probably... Would I exaggerate? Maybe hundreds or thousands of people in Chesterfield. I, I do not exaggerate it by saying in all probability there's people in this category here this morning who are in prison because they will not forgive. And the tormentors, the, the torment of an unforgiving spirit. The Lord chastens those whom he loves. God will, God will not allow his children to get away with that. I, don't, I just don't believe it. And we'll, we'll find ourselves, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive from your heart. Didn't say it's easy, but it's desirable, isn't it? How many want to stay in a prison? How many want to 
have this gnawing thing of an unforgiving spirit. I am... I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not an, uh, an addict to, to Facebook, but usually at the end of the night I stroll through Facebook and I just say, oh yeah, just to, just to keep up with what's happening. And I see Carl's posts and Dan's and so on. Not very interesting really most of the time, but, <laughs> but I kind of I stroll past it ever, ever so quickly. Um, <laughs> you forget? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But on one occasion, this is going back a few years ago, there was this one picture um, of Nelson Mandela. He was standing in his prison cell in Robben Island. It was Robben Island, I think, where he was incarcerated, wasn't it? Looking out his cell window. And, and underneath was the, the words that I assume that he said. He said, I knew that when I left this prison, that I would have to forgive completely. Because if I didn't, I would remain in this prison cell. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? I knew if I didn't forgive, I would remain in this prison cell. But forgiveness is the get out of jail card. And once we play it, we're out. <laughs> we don't have to stay there. When I was at um, um, Bible school many years ago, um, used to be referred to as um, a bridal school because a lot of people found their, actually funny enough, I found my baby, although she was the secretary at that particular time. So, maybe, so it was a bridal school for me as well, I suppose. But we, we, had, um, we had lectures on uh, homiletics, you know, the art of preaching. Wow. And hermeneutics, the art of interpreting the scripture. And, and one of the things that we had hammered into us by our then principle was, you know, when you have your sermon, you need to have your three points. And uh, some of it's stuck and some of it is happening. But, but, you know, at the beginning of each point, each point must begin with the same letter. It's called uh, alliteration, you know. So you have five points and each point begins with P or C or D or whatever. You know, this is the way to, to preach. And I used to think I didn't have a sermon unless I could get something together that had the headings had exactly the same letters, you know. It was something that was hammered into us. But having said that... <laughs> I want to conclude by three L's. <laughs> three L's, all right? Are you ready? This will blow your socks off, this will. <laughs> I can just see Dan and Carl are absolutely amazed that, you know, this, this man, wow. <laughs> all right, Christian forgiveness is limitless. You got it? <laughs> seven, eight times seven. Christian forgiveness is logical. If God has forgiven us, then we should forgive others. Actually, it was Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, who said, he said, go to Calvary and learn how you can be forgiven. And then he said, stay at Calvary 
and learn how you should forgive. So it is limitless. It is logical. Come on, does anybody know the last hell? Come on. Come on. It's liberating. <laughs> it liberates us. It liberates us from the prison in which we find ourselves in. Don't keep yourself there, friends. Use the get-out-of-jail card. Be set free. There's nothing so more tormenting than the torment of an unforgiving spirit. It imprisons us. But we don't have to stay there a second longer. We can play the get-out-of-jail card.